Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Hey, 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 everybody. How are you doing? This is Tina, your host of Flawed and Free. Thank you for coming to see us again and chat with us for yet another episode. This is part of our fatherhood series. And so today's topic will be single fathers from single, surrogate, and spiritual. So we thank you again. I have a guest here today. And I've known him for a couple of years, a wonderful, wonderful gentleman based out of Houston, Texas. And so we'll be talking with him today. His name is Brian Carroll. Brian is a father, a son, and a motivator. He works a lot in the community as an educator, a youth consultant, an author, a behavioral specialist, and he also is aspiring to own his own Early Childhood Learning Center. So Brian has been dedicated to serving his community in many, many, many capacities. And he lives in Houston, Texas. His passion for children has begun from an early, early age and all the way to the present. So he also mentored a program called Athletic Intelligence. Brian provides life skills, athletic training, college prep and coaching to young athletes. This is a nonprofit organization called Cure Community Under Reconstruction through education. Brian's goals are to seek to infuse youth to be strong, not only mentally, socially, emotionally, and academically. So Brian has a children's book and his first book was entitled Super Sharing and he'll be releasing a follow-up to that first book called Super Strong in 2020. So y'all look out for that. Currently, Brian teaches a teaches middle school children in Houston. And as we already stated earlier that he was gonna be opening up a Early Childhood Education Center, and that'll focus on building foundational and literary skills. So I'm going to introduce Brian to you. Hey, Brian, how are you? Hey, how's it going? It's going okay. It's going okay. So it's a pleasure to have you today as a guest on this series that I'm doing on fatherhood. I'm so, so very excited to have you. Tell us a little bit about Cure. If you don't mind. Oh, yeah. First, I'd like to say uh, it's an honor to be on the show, and I'm really excited. Thank you. Um, for oh, the- you're welcome. 
Um, so the CARE is a community under reconstruction through education. Um, I would hear so much about what the kids need to do, what education needs to be, and all these different you know models that people had. And I figured I wanted to create something that was solution because people always talk problems, but we don't hear enough people talking solutions. And I feel like education is the great equalizer. If we can educate people and not marginalize ourselves as far as education, as far as just reading, writing, and arithmetic, but educating ourselves in every area of our life, walking in the spirit of wisdom, then we would be solid through and through. So um, I wanted to create a community mm-hmm. under reconstruction through education because if we know about these lower socioeconomically um, economic communities, they struggle with lack of education, you know. Um, so we want to educate them as far as you know, critical thinking as far as far as fathering. We need we need more fathers, you know, because I, I feel like this. We can have a million YMCA's and a million mentoring programs, but if we could just get these fathers to, you know, to father their children, then we wouldn't need all of that. So my thing is attacking the problem at the foundation because everything, you know, grows from the foundation. So we want I want to create a community that's under reconstruction through education. Right, right, right. I mean, that's that's a great background. You mentioned something about, um, you know, mentoring and fathering children and laying the foundation through education. Um, in your past, in your history, were there any educators or teachers that played somewhat of a father role to you as you grew up? Well, um, my late high school football coach who actually just passed away last week <clears throat> oh no i'm sorry yeah oh yeah um but you know he's in a better place right now so but um he was someone who was you know a, a pretty influential being but the the main i had some little league coaches people that for seasons of my life dropped in and gave some some good encouragement gave me a good example you know just exposed me to something different even if it was giving me a ride and picking me up with my mom, trying to do things by herself when she couldn't do it, you know, coming to pick me up, showing me that, you know, it takes a village and that people are willing to extend their hand and extend love to help me, you know, getting me some cleats. My first year playing literally, I played in some wow. ones because I had no cleats, you know, so here right. I am. I picked up as a seven-year-old to play on a 10-year-old travel team, traveling all around the state, getting exposed to stuff that I've never seen, you know, just, you know, kind of blowing my mind. And it was a blessing to get to see all the new things. But I, the most minimal thing that you need is some cleats. And I didn't even have a Right. Problem, you know, so, you know, uh, I was in a position where I seen people that looked like me and people that didn't look like me that were willing to extend their hand um, in different families that would take me in and having to come hang out with them on the weekend sometimes, like after the games, you know, to see things. But uh, the biggest mentor I can honestly say was my my pastor from college, uh, you know, when I got saved. I said, wow. freshman in college. Um, he was the pastor, Jerry Ball, and I'm Ruston, Louisiana. He was just the epitome of a balanced male. Like he was a great father. He was a great husband. Uh, you know, he had the, ped- the pedigree he came from. His father was a civil rights leader in Mississippi in the 60s. So that's that's different. You feel me? That's right. Different. You know, but most of all, he loved God. And I ain't never seen nobody who would, you know, get up at three o'clock in the morning, find some drug addicts and and bring them. And I see them start showing up to church and then gaining weight and then getting saved and then 
working and then getting married and then just changing their whole lives. And then he would buy like a whole, um, like an old broken down motel and, and put the, put the drug addicts in there and, and then give them the word every day. And I would literally see their lives change, you know, wow. solution oriented. He's seen it. A lot of the African-American kids were getting kicked out of alternative school. So he said, I'll start a school. You know, I mean, he was the epitome, um, not even always in what he directly said to me, but just in the lifestyle that he lived. But he also sat me down and we had some uh, amazing talks. So he he's he's probably been, other than the Holy Spirit, you know what I'm saying? He's probably been the most influential, you know, man in my life. Wow. What a blessing to, you know, for God to place those men in your life to help, you know, spark some of that positive influence from a spiritual perspective and, you know, from your academic athletics, from your mentor and coach coming up. You know, uh, one of the prior episodes that I've done on this series already, we talked about uh, earthly fathers. And then we talk a lot about heavenly, our heavenly father. And so, and how, you know, our earthly fathers, whether they come through mentors or spiritual fathers or surrogate fathers or how, whatever the domain or whatever the title is that comes with it, how God, even though we have areas of our life where we may be in lack, or we may see that we fall short, that he will send people and, you know, on our path, on our journey, as we grow to help us get to the next level. You know what I'm saying? To help push us and mentor us and, and, and those things. And so, you know, it's a blessing that you had, you know, you just mentioned two great men, you know, a spiritual father and a mentor um, within your school for athletics that really helped to influence you. Do you believe that some of those influences are part of why you go so hard for your kids today? You, I mean, you're an educator and you work in the community. You're a very active community um, in your community. So do you think that those influences really sparked your interest in, in helping other children? Oh, uh, absolutely. I feel like... Um so I like Tony Robbins, who's a you know world-renowned motivational speaker. And he always said, right. if you ask yourself the right questions, you'll get the right answers. So I used to wonder, why am I so passionate about helping kids? Why do right. I think kids so much? And I asked myself a series of questions. I had to start digging and digging and digging and pulling the layers off. And I realized those, those wounds, those, mm. those wounds that I had growing up, because my, my biological father, you know, we, we've made up and we have a pretty good relationship now, but I struggle with abandonment issues and I mm. have the words, but I knew that when I went to play, I was always a star athlete as a child. Everybody had their dad. Everybody had their taking the camps, come to the games. They see a mommy and a daddy together. They had all these different things going on. And I, and I resented the fact that I didn't have it. And it made me sad. And I didn't want anybody to ever feel like that. And it really hit me one time. In high school, I was riding around my neighborhood. No, I was in middle school. I was in eighth grade. I was riding around my neighborhood. And, and you know, my parents, my mom had just remarried, and my stepfather has been a, such a blessing. He's an awesome man, and I really appreciate him. But something like that, you want, no matter how good that parent that steps in is, you'll still question why the person who birthed you, the person who you came from, your biological father, you know, you'll start to feel like 
he doesn't want you. And I didn't understand that he was going through things and dealing with things that he didn't have control over at the time because he wasn't disciplined who he was at the time. But um, I'm riding around the neighborhood and I see one of my friends, him and his dad are out there shooting. And I was just thinking like, man, he's so lucky he got his father to take him out to shoot the basketball with him. And he got a basketball. And I just saw how blessed he was, but he wasn't taking it serious. Like he was shooting the ball with a backboard, playing around, being goofy. And I know he could shoot better than that. Then his father would make him do push-ups. And it just made me so angry on the inside. I turned around and I just, I rolled home. And I just had all this overwhelming emotion. I didn't know where it was coming from at the time. And I was upset. And I felt like he had what I wish I had and he wasn't taking advantage of it. And I and I and I think in small bits in my life when I would see those things like the kids go to camp with their dad or that dad would be there to cheer them on when they hit a home run or when they won the game. You know, I had my mom, but I didn't have my dad there. And it made me sad. And I would make little silent vows to myself to never do that, to say that I'm not going to be like that when I have a child. And what, what would happen is I would um, subconsciously just I get so much joy and peace when I see kids like when I'm at work, especially at the elementary school. I see them little kids. They're so excited to see me. And I just get joy in my heart when I see them. So I want to filter in sincere and authentic love to every kid I see. And that's what that's that's a big driving force behind it. And I can just think of numerous situations that I had from a child where I wanted to correct it. And I didn't I felt powerless. But now I'm powerful because I understand who I am and who I am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you, and and that's amazing. Like that's amazing that look how God took a an area of your life where you had been wounded, where now you're no longer in a wounded state because it's a scar. It is now healed, and you've been able to take those pains and actually use that from your past in order to help other children. You know, in the present. And so, you know, that's, that's, that's something that God will do. You know, he examines our heart and he'll take those areas of our life and use them for others as a testimony. And then he'll also, you know, reconstruct and revive those areas of our lives that have been in deficit and, and especially to come from, um, the spirit of abandonment and rejection. And he can still use those things and still use it for his good. And mm-hmm. so you've been able to shape many children's lives as a mentor and as an educator and now as a father, because you are now a father. And so yeah. all of those in those experiences have shaped you and given you a testimony so that you could actually use it in the kingdom, you know, to help other children that may have some of the same struggles or may have experienced some of the same spirits of rejection and abandonment. But we come against that spirit of rejection today. We bind it up in the name of Jesus because that is not of God. And so, you know, we thank God now that we have been free and we have been released for who God has set, who God has set free for. He is free indeed. And so we really need to stand in what God says and, you know, what he requires of our lives and be obedient to the word and the will of God so that we can continue to, you know, help and, and, 
and put ourselves in position and put ourselves in our posture to not only receive the will of God, but to pour out into our communities, to pour into our children, to pour into our friends and our families and help put us in position to break those generational curses because that spirit of abandonment and rejection has come deep, deep, deep down through our bloodlines. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's things that, that have been passed down to us. And so, you know, God needs people like us and God needs men, especially the men as protectors and providers to stand up and arise and be who he has called them to be so that they can be in position to rear the people of God, not just for their families and communities, but to show people the way of God. And so, you know, but in order to do that, he has to give you the heart, you know, he has to give you the heart and the will and you have to accept and align yourself with whatever it is that God has willed for your life. And so you have a deep, deep desire and a great passion for children. And in this pain, you have been able to turn it around and really, really make a difference in some children's lives. So, you know, kudos, kudos to you for, you know, when it hasn't always been popular, I'm sure you've experienced instances where people may have looked at you in in a different light, like why is he so interested in these children? Why yeah. is he so you know? And 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 the enemy will use those things yeah. against you, and he'll wanna, use I them against touch you. On that. Yeah, because I, um, you know, I get I get upset because as a child, like even growing up, I've always loved kids, like love babies and stuff. Like me, I'm the type of guy I could be in a bed. I never forget. It was probably about nine years ago. I've been towards our us. I, was, I mean, not I was in Walmart, and it was this little baby. I swear, this girl looked like she could be mine. No, I didn't know them. I literally, and I'm thankful for her mom. But I mean, the little girl just kept smiling. I was laughing. I was like, I made a little friend, but she let me hold. I literally stayed in Walmart with them for like an hour. I took pictures and everything with the little girl. Oh yeah, my you mom, love children. My mom, oh my, my god, mom, you know, thought it was mine, but I said, you know, a lot of the issues that we're dealing with with um, mothers and fathers who aren't together trying to co-parent. And the disconnection with the fathers and the kids, it, a part of it is about the self-fulfilling prophecy where we're, um, you know, putting, we're giving dads an opt out and we're not giving moms. Like, like hmm. anybody an opt out, but it's like the mom, like, you got to be here. You got to take the dad, like, you come around when you want, you can get your weekends, you can pay your money, you good. But there shouldn't be any opt out because kids spell time, spell love, T-I-M-E, with time. That's how they spell yeah. You know, but we have to have like when I walk around with my daughter Brindley, like I see, you know, young girls, they're always like, Oh, she's so cute. People wanna hold her, they just smile. She just she brings, you know, just happiness to people's hearts, just like in the airport yesterday. And I see some fathers, but I know it's the fathers that I see that do that are with the wife and numerous kids. They might have like three or four kids, and those are those nurturing type men. And I'm a nurturing type of man. And there's no mm-hmm. us nurturing type men. We get rejected and kind of put to the side, especially if you're not with the mom. So we, we go through a lot of turmoil. But I, what I want us to do is we have to reshape our minds because a lot of people will be okay with a random stranger woman you know, or a little teenage girl holding their child. But we're not raising young boys to fit to be happy and soft about and willing to engage and and, and be nurturing with children. 
We're, we're yeah. in line. I'm telling you, you got to be hard. But and I and, and to be honest with you, it's it's way harder to be vulnerable and patient than it is to go off whenever you feel some type of way. <laughs> yeah. need more men that are going to be patient and kind like with my daughter i serve her when i give her a bath I'm, I'm 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 talking with her i'm patient with my conversation i put lotion on when she's hungry i get her something to eat or i teach her how to do different things i'm always working with her and god spoke to me said hey that's how you want to be with a wife because that's where all all it is is training you know you yeah. have to be selfless but we're not raising our men we, we we're shunning them when they want to be nurturing when they want to be loving, when, when we're not we're not giving them the okay, and, and because we live in a society that is very per, perverted in action, and sometimes we're just perverted in our actions to think that it's a problem if there's a man who wants to hold a baby, who wants to sit and play with the kids. Oh man, you gotta watch him. You know. Yeah. So so that plays a role in shutting down that. That, that fuel that we have for the child that is curious and loves to just love on the kids. We're teaching him that you have to be in opposition to that. And then we wonder why we had these fathers who not seeing their kids for months and weeks on at a time. And I'm not saying that's the only situation. That's the only situation, um, um, issue. But I think that plays a part of it because no man, no human being should be okay with being away from your child for extended periods of time. I agree. No, nobody. And, you know, it, it's it's like it's not socially accepted for men to hurt in that area. And, you know, that that's unfortunate. You know, that's unfortunate because, you know, just just as much as important as it is for women to be nurturers and healers. You know, I believe that that is a very strong component that men should carry as well. You know, and so I don't know why over the course of time we've done so. I mean, it's like you got to be hard. You got to be distant. You, you know, your only job is not to just, you know, provide and work and care. I mean, there is a there is a position that you're supposed to have and a role that you have. But who said that you couldn't, you know, be the nurturer? Who said that these roles couldn't be shared? Who said our society has perverted that thought and that idea? Because God is love, and God never did put that in a gender role. He never mm-hmm. did say that. Okay, you women have to love this way, men have to love that way. He wants us all to love the same way, the way that He loves. So, you know, it's only the, the vision of the world. It's only the society and that has made these, you know, made that not acceptable. And so that's where men like you need to show what a healthy relationship looks like, you know, as a man, a protector, a provider, a man of God, and how you can also balance that out and be a nurturer and a healer and someone that is that is aware and conscious and not just distant and disconnected. You know, in order to bring, you know, so we don't have enough, enough models to really show how it's done and that it can be done. And it takes a lot of courage. It takes a lot of courage to stand outside of what's perceived to be the norm. You know what I'm saying? Um, mm-hmm. according to society standard and say, you know what? I know what the word of God says. I know what it is that I'm supposed to do, but you've been, you've had the opportunity to really dig into who you are in order to kind of walk in that assignment. 
And I think that a lot of our men have not maybe had the opportunity or maybe have not had the connection or the mentorship to allow them to be who they're really, really called to be. Well, I think I think it's a big issue is the identity crisis. One thing I thank God for, yeah. myself, and I'm not going to say I walked in this perfectly, but I have a strong personality in the sense where I'm okay with being who I am. With certain things I couldn't know, but I know a lot of kids that got felony charges, teenagers, because not because they were thieves, not because they were just some savage gang member, but they didn't have enough um, foundation of who they were to say, no, I'm not going to steal that car. No, I'm not going to get in that car. No, I'm not going to smoke that. No, I'm not going to sell that. No, I'm not going to run up in this house. No, I'm not going to do that. See, me and, and like. I, I was always the person, you, know, you want me to do it, you do it. I ain't doing that. I ain't going to jail for you. I was always the person, somebody said, all right, all right, y'all jump off of this. You go first. No, you go first. <laughs> I want to see if I'm not going to break my leg, so you can go first. But we don't have enough people who are okay with who they are. Yeah. They don't yeah. know who they are to be okay with it. And I didn't always know who I was, but I knew who I wasn't. I knew I wasn't a thief. I knew I wasn't somebody who was okay with watching somebody get jumped or somebody getting just taken advantage of. You know, even like when I was young, people make fun of the special needs kids. I had a problem with it. And I had a, I was a popular kid. So I was like, man, y'all, that's not right. You know? So as a result of that, I was okay with the fact, man, I love kids. And I would even get to the point where I'd get indignant if somebody said, man, why you like kids so much? What you mean? Why I don't like it? Why wouldn't you? Right. You know, so I, how, so how did you, how, it, you know, for the men that may be listening, you know, how were you able to discover the journey to finding you? How were you able to find, you know, because even though you do, you know, you have your stepfather who's, you know, you had other mentors, academically, athletics, you know, throughout your life that have supported your journey. How did you actually find you um well i'll say just living uh taking mm. every day um and being honest with myself that don't mean i always was i was always accurate but i was i was honest enough to say yeah i was tripping yeah that was my pride see that that's so powerful when you ask yourself the right questions but you have to be in the right posture to ask yourself like i, I mm. much working with kids see i'll say you know you learn about how patient you're not how forgiving you're not when you work in the behavior class with kids that are considered emotionally disturbing, somebody cuss you out and call you all types of names that you just sacrificed and working at a group home with these people, with these children with broken spirits. Mm-hmm. You, 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 you literally sacrificed or done, you know, just put yourself out there for them. And then they just reject you or they do some of the most cruel things. And you start to learn about the love of God. Mm. You start to learn about how. Mm. And see, the way God be eating me up, he be checking me. Every time I want to get mad about something, he always check me and say, well, you did this, and I forgave you. Holy Spirit always hit Say it again. So Say I can't, it again. <laughs> so I can't. For real. I can't, I can't stay mad at something because now I'm getting all this conviction about who I'm not being, so I can't worry about who they not being. All I can, the only thing is what's in my locus of control, and that's me, you know? So... As I lived and I experienced things and I saw how life 
goes. And and I and I I do believe that seeking you shall find, knocking door shall be open. You can yeah. seek and you learn and you go through trial and error, and that's how you get to learn on your journey. And I feel like in different seasons, in one season, my journey was to inspire teammates to play ball and inspire people with my skill. But from that, I thought I was just out on the field training because I'm trying to get in the league. But come to find out, I keep meeting all these people with broken spirits that battle with the same abandonment and daddy issues as me. So what's the odds that I'm out there training to go to a combine to work out to try to get signed, but I keep running into you, teenagers, with broken spirits and abandonment issues that struggle with the same thing, that work hard at football but didn't work on, on their grades, didn't work on their critical thinking, didn't work on their reading, didn't have the most discipline. So I keep connecting with them. So as I'm doing, as I'm walking on my path for what I feel like I want to do, you know what I'm saying? God is introducing me to a whole new world of what I'm supposed to be doing. You know, then I'm thinking I'm just getting a teaching job to have some steady income while I'm training to get in the league because I keep having these injuries and I need insurance and I need a steady income. And then I find my swing. Like they got me in the class. One school was trying to, you know, I low key was trying to railroad me because they knew I could handle it. And they didn't want nobody in there. They was like, well, he was going to quit or he going to do a good job. And I said, it's going to be them and me and it ain't going to never be me. <laughs> so I had to put my ten toes down and get it together, and from there I found out. Okay, something in me that I didn't even know, and I handled a class that couldn't nobody do, and it was all the Holy Spirit. It was just God working in there. The two, my two assistants in there were like mothers. They were prayers. They were probably I mean, they were praying women. I mean, it was just my journey. I've been I've been through so much, and a lot of roads, dark roads. I walked down. I walked down, and so other guys ain't got to, and my experiences can resonate. You know, so, you know, me finding my identity was really just living and being humble enough and in the right posture to hear God and understand that, you know, this is just a part of the journey. So just like I feel like if you live, you're going to learn. You know, if you live or you're going to go in that cycle on that hamster wheel. And there's some areas I've been on the hamster wheel and I'm getting off. And there's some areas I learned the first couple of times, you know, but, it, you know, um, I hope I answered your question, though. You did. No, 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 no. You did. You absolutely did. So a lot of the, the journey that you've taken, the journey that you've taken through trial, through error, through, you know, hearing the voice of God and it shaped you to be where you are now. How have you utilized that with your parenting, with your baby Brindley? Man, um, she's adorable. I love her. <laughs> oh, thank you. You, 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 you go into parenting with all of these thoughts based on what you've seen and something happened at the airport yesterday so I, I was on a buddy class and I got there three like more like three no I got there 4 15 so mm-hmm. it be a 6 a.m flight and we couldn't get on because it was it was filled to capacity and we didn't get on and um I'm walking around with a one with a two-year-old who doesn't want to get down because she wants to be held and she's also in an unfamiliar place so I'm carrying my backpack and my suitcase, because I'm waiting on my mom to come get me. After I exhausted all my ways of trying to find a flight out. Um, so she gets irritable. And you know, when a child is sleepy, they have yeah. major demands, but it, none of them make sense. They might be yelling, I want it, and pointing at the ceiling. When they know it's nothing on the ceiling, and it's impossible for you to get there. But they- <laughs> and that's what they're going to cry. So everybody in the airport is looking at me. Like, I'm crazy. She's going crazy. I mean, I'm just sitting in my arms are hurting. I'm just excited. I'm just like, God, man. 
But, you know, uh, a parent, a mom and a dad, they had about five kids. He said, man, welcome to parenting. It's okay. We've been there. Them terrible twos are not no joke. And a little kid out of nowhere popped their head out and smirked at us and then went back down to doing what they was doing under the, under the suitcase. It was the cutest little thing. But what it resonated was, um, it, it resonated something with me. Uh, only people with kids understand that. Yeah. It's so <laughs> unpredictable. But you have to just be in a posture to hear from God and be patient because we try to impose our will in certain aspects on the children. And and I realized this. It's not that the kids are always ignoring you. It's that the brain is so sensitive from zero to three because that's the part of the time. That's the time where the kids are, are receiving the most that they've ever that they're ever going to receive in their brain from zero to three. Yeah, they're growing rapidly. So their brain is yeah. firing off so fast. They're getting over a thousand words a day at times. And you think just because you said, hey, come here. That they understand it? It's not even always that simple. So God is opening my mind up to how infinite and how amazing the brain is and how infinite amazing he is. And it gives me more patience with my child to know the certain things. Come on, come on. But we have to know how to roll with the punches. But it also helps me with discipline. Because now I know I can't get up five minutes before I hurt me get ready. No, I got a two-year-old. And you know what she do? Sometimes I hand her shirts and when she don't want to wear it, she throw it. <laughs> You can't be throwing a shirt. And guess what? They don't know what they want because she'll pick the shoes that she want to put on. But when I try to put them on, she don't want to put it on. Or it's this new this game that they have of when they like to run from you. So now you got your pamper halfway on with a shirt and you running out, chasing around the house, trying to get you still so I can change your diaper. Then put your pants on so we can hurry up and get out the house. Then I got to put you in your car seat and I got to make sure I got all your snacks. And stuff like that. So it, it's helping me to be more disciplined, more meticulous, but ultimately more patient and loving. Mm. So selfless in the process. It can't. I can't get upset over every little thing. Right. I can't have. I have to set measurable and realistic expectations, but I have to be willing to roll with the punches. Because if she boo boo, and it and it and it and it spills all over her back, guess what? Now I gotta stop. I gotta give her a bath. And you know what I'm saying? So I, yeah. I have to put those things in. That's why I tell people sports teach you so much about life with audibles, with planning, with 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 doing things over and over and over again to master it. You know, so that's what parenting, I think parenting really prepares you for the patience of life, of managing, of parenting, of loving, of, of understanding, of ministering in every way, shape or form. So I try, I try to look at the big picture. And it's it, it's 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 teaching me so much every day. And then you know they act up, and then you 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 talk to them, or you know, and then all of a sudden they love you, and they give you a hug. But that's because as adults, we think when somebody do something, we're supposed to have an emotional negative reaction. But kids, right. at the end of the day, it is what it is, right there in that spot. They not holding no grudge, because next thing is daddy, daddy, you know. Yeah, yeah, and, they just want and to- you know that says you know that that says a lot. That says a lot, not just about, but just imagine how our heavenly Father, how He feels, because we are children of God. You know what I'm saying? And so when we running around throwing tantrums, when we not all necessarily doing the things that He requires us to do, when God says, "Come here," like you were saying, I told my daughter, "Come here," but you know she may or may not understand exactly what I'm saying. It's put me in a place 
place of being able to be patient. It's put me in a place when you can really kind of see how one correlates to the other. You understand what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. When you can really look at the father that we have in heaven and how he forgives us and how he is patient with us and how he is willing to forgive us in our, in our ways of error and even in our areas of disobedience and re even rebellion at sometimes, you know, it's the same way that we should have for our children. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you said a lot. I mean, the whole time you were talking, I was just thinking about the love of God and just thinking about his his examples that he's given us, not only in the word, but just what you know, what the word requires us to do. You know, even scripture says train up a child in the way that they should go and they will never depart from it. You know, and so that's what he means, you know, when he's telling us, you know, how to discipline and how to be patient and how to how to sit in a position of long suffering and peace and kindness and just how to live a life that's not only pleasing to God, our heavenly father, but how to exert those same characteristics Onto, into our personal lives with the way that we rear our children. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it's a big difference. It's, it's a big difference than, you know, when you're out here in these streets and you don't have kids, you know, your whole life turns upside down. Everything changes and things get turned up a notch, even as a single parent. And you being a single father, we talk a lot about single mothers. And um, I know you're in a co-parenting situation with her mother. So it's not like her mother isn't around. Mm -hmm. um, but you, along with other men that I know that are more than weekend fathers, um, you know, they're not just there to just fulfill an obligation. You know, our Heavenly Father is not just there to fulfill an obligation. He's not just a weekend father. He's an everyday, all day father. And so that is who you are. You know, that is who you are. And no greater example than what God has shown us and for what he has done and what he has been to us and for us. And so, you know, whenever we don't know just how to rear and just how to even as a single parent, you know, sometimes you feel like you all alone and and it's difficult and it's challenging and it's hard and you don't know really what the right way is. You just do it the best way you know how. And so you, you kind of look at what are my examples, even if you don't have any earthly examples. Fortunately for you, you did. Um, but there are young men out here that maybe don't have many. If they do, they may have one. And maybe even that one earthly example may have disappointed them or may have let them down. But just to know that no matter what, that God is here for eternity, that he's always here. He will never leave us, nor will he ever forsake us. And so those areas of our life that we are unsure about, those areas of our life that we are in doubt of, we're not perfect. You know, so you can't expect yourself to live up to the expectation that you'll always make the right decisions for Brinley or that you'll always be um, available to her. But you do your absolute best with what you have. But the number one key thing in all of this, whether you have an earthly father or a 
mentor or not is to always be in commune and in and in have a relationship with the heavenly father because that sometimes will take the place of being of another parent right mm-hmm. um i know for me as a single mother there is times that i've been in a position like you where you know it it's all you you know you trying to cook dinner get the kids ready you know put the clothes on whatever level or stage that they are in life miss brinley is still a young young lady oh god she's so adorable <laughs> um but <laughs> you know but as she matures and as she grows some of those needs will change and you'll need a constant sense of direction to kind of help keep her on the plane of purpose. So, you know, kudos to you as a single father that you have not, you've made it not just an opt out, but you've opted in. You've opted in in every area, regardless of what position that you're currently in um, as a single father, because it won't be that way forever. Mm-hmm. It won't be that way. And so, you know, kudos to you for following the will of the Lord and helping to put Brindley in the position in the place that God requires her to be. So I'm really proud of you. You are an awesome father. Um, You know, yeah, you are, you are, you are, you truly are. And I'm not just saying that to gas you up, you (laughs) know, um, but it's really true. I I know a lot of people and I've seen a lot of relationships um, over the course of time, maybe personally, not personally, but you are definitely high, high, high on my list with um, someone that I would say that I respect that. That I know is a great father. So, you know, sometimes we think that we're not doing enough and that we could always do better. Yes, even if that may be true, that know that somebody always got your back. There's always a ram in the bush. There's always somebody God will place and put in your life to help you get to the next level, to help you get to whatever it is that you desire for your life and for your children, for your seed, even down to your grandchildren and beyond. So, you know, what I can truly say that I have witnessed is that God has grown you. He has matured you with this baby. (laughs) (laughs) And and a, and a lot, and there's still a lot left to do, you know, for you along this journey. But, you know, glory to God that he has not left your side. He is right there with you. So don't lose heart. Don't lose patience. You're a very patient person, though. So I think that it'll take a whole, whole, whole lot before it takes you to a point of of snapping out. But (laughs) (laughs) you seem to have done a good job um, balancing it all. How do you balance? How do you balance now your new life? as a father with how it was before, because it's definitely changed a lot. How do you find that balance? Um, I can't, I mean, I, I mean, I can't just do things how I want, you know, I got to consider someone else. It's kind of like, you know, people say, man, I got, I got, I got something to lose. Like, cause you think about like, you got a good job. You ain't just got no job where it's like, Oh man, I could walk away. You got a job. I mean, you got benefits. You got a good job, but you ain't trying to lose that. So you 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 know that's a different mentality. But then you think about I got a legacy. Yeah, that's my thing. It's like what what are people going to say when they think about that name, that Carol name? 
You know what I'm saying? And this this child is like, I think that's the biggest blessing. Like somebody gives you, if somebody lets you hold a pair of tennis shoes, they expect you to, you know, take care of them shoes. Don't bring them back no scuff marks. Somebody lets you drive their car up the street. Somebody lets you wear their shirt. You know what I'm saying? But yeah. God has blessed us with a seed. And it's a miracle for a baby to even be born. So God yeah. with a child. How can I not be a good steward over that? So whatever I got to do, you know what I'm saying? So that's the approach I'm taking with it. You know, I'm taking like, man, real, yeah. real business right here. This is about my name. This is about my legacy. This right, right. Her to grow. You know, the, the Carol name, you know, um, you've named yourself in your book, uh, was it Caring and Sharing, right? Super Sharing. And uh, Super Carol, tell us a little bit about your book, your children's book. Um, so, you know, working in these behavior classes with these kids, I've seen that their social skills were just, you know, bad. But I mean, adult social skills would be bad, too. <laughs> Probably worse than the kids. <laughs> um, and I noticed the kids hated reading. And I noticed that I hated reading growing up. And mm. I never had anything interesting, you know, something that would make me say, oh, I want to read that, other than some sports stuff. So I said, let me figure out a way to make them read and also teach them at the same time, because they'll read. Wow. Stuff, but, you know, that wasn't sports. So this was a book talking about sharing that was giving real life situations that they go through. So it was teaching them and encouraging them to read. So that's why I created uh, Super Sharing. And I have. I love it. Mm -hmm. I read it. And it's I mean, it's it's a good book. It really is. It's a it's a good, good children's book. You know, um, where can you tell people where to find it if they want to check it out for their kids or something like that? Um, so the book, it's on Amazon. Um, you could okay. sharing, but I would prefer that they get it from me because, you know, Amazon got the monopoly on it. And, you know, they oh. booked at me, so you could contact me um, via my Facebook, which is my name, Brian Carroll, B-R-Y-N-C-A-R-R-O-L-L, or my Instagram, Super Carol, and it's spelled Super, S-U-P-E-R, and then C-A-R-R-O-L-L, -L, or just go on the website, which is BrianCarrollAndAssociates.com. Yeah, I wanted to make sure that you told people um, where they could find the book. I mean, it's really, it's really cute. The the animation in it is adorable. And now, Miss Brindley, I I see a lot on IG when I watch your stories and stuff. You call her Baby Carol, right? Mm -hmm. Isn't it Baby? Baby Super Carol. Baby Super Carol. It's so cute. <laughs> <laughs> I promise it is so so freaking cute. But I did. I read the book, and it's you know it's a short book, but it has some really good, um, some really good teaching moments in the book. Mm -hmm. And then it's a little, it's like a fill in the blank. And the I mean, it was really fun. I was like, if I was a kid, I would love to read this. It was it was really interactive. Yeah, you know, it wasn't just a read, just a book to read. Um, there was some interacting points in the book, and then towards the end of the book that I thought was pretty interesting. So I wanted to make sure that anyone that's listening would be able to go and find that and find you as well. But, you know, as we go in closing, 
I just wanted to touch on a few things that we talked about today. We talked a little bit about, you know, um, mentorship and, and it being, you know, how it takes a village to truly raise a family. And whether you have been present or an active father or one that may be distant and not in the home, that we always, always, always have our Heavenly Father who is always present, who is always with us. And it was always on the throne and he never leaves. So, you know, I want people to know and understand that even though through our experiences and maybe even some traumas over the course of our life, that you are not alone. You are not alone. That whether it, it looks one way, God can always turn things around and literally in a matter of seconds. So, you know, lean on him, trust God for whatever it is that you need, whatever it is that you desire from him, and he will heal all of the broken wounds and all of the broken pieces and all the cracks and crevices that that life sometimes does to our hearts. But he is a God that examines the heart and he's a God that heals our heart and he is a God that can restore our broken hearts. And so we thank him for that. We thank him for it. We bind up any spirit of rejection and any spirit of abandonment, anybody that's under the sound of my voice that has had issues or concerns or problems with that, please feel free to reach out to myself at www.theflawedandfree.com. You can leave a message there and or an email there. I'm found on all major platforms, Facebook, IG, under Flawed and Free or The Flawed and Free. And the podcast recordings are also found on some of the major streaming platforms on Apple iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, YouTube, and SoundCloud. So go check it out. So God bless everyone. Thank you so much, Brian, for coming on as a special guest for me today. You You have been a blessing to not only me, but to the people that are listening to this recording right now. So I thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Make sure y'all go check him out on IG, Super Carol. It's C-A, it's two R's, right, love? Yes, two R's and two L's. And so you can find him on IG at Super Carol and you can see his beautiful blessing. Her name is Brinley. She is just a wonderful gift to the world. And I'm telling you, the two of you put a real smile on my face most days. And it's just a pleasure and an honor to know you. And so I thank you again for coming to visit. And I'm going to tag on out and let you guys know, be blessed smooches and deuces to you all and less of him less of me more of him less of me more of him oh god i never mess that up (laughs) less of me more of him flawed and free free to be me y'all be blessed have a good one